Okay, that's the, um, the announcement. Hopefully you can be here next week and, and share in the harvest meal with us. So um, again, open your Bibles then to Genesis chapter 41. And last week, um, we have been considering our man um, Joseph. And we left, we left Joseph forgotten by men. We left him in prison. Remember, he was in prison. He was forgotten by men. But the important thing to remember is that he wasn't forgotten by God. Even though his situation was bad, even though his situation looked terrible, God did not forget Joseph. And so... You know, we're saying on, on, on Wednesday, Jim was right, we're saying on Wednesday that the devil comes in sometimes. And when we're feeling very low, he comes in and, and he speaks to us and he tells us and he says, God has forgotten you. But the way to defeat Satan, the way to fight Satan is to remind him of what God has said. It is written, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. No matter what the devil may say to you when you're going through time and you think God has forgotten me, I want to tell you God's word is sure. And he says in his word, I will never forget you. I will never leave you. And that is so true of Joseph. Joseph was in prison and God was still at work. Three things that I want to say this morning about Joseph. First is providence. Um, Providence is like God's timing. And so we read these words. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. After two years, Joseph was in prison and he was there for two more years. And prior to those two years, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, never thought about God. Never even considered God. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he had his other gods. He had, you know, those, those cats, the, those, those gods made out of cats and half human and, and half animal. Those was his God. He never knew nothing about the God of heaven. Nothing at all. And um, never even heard of God until he had some dreams. And so his first dream, as we read he was standing by the Nile when one of, out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, thin, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And those skinny cows ate up the fat cows, but didn't look any different. That was his first dream. He went back to sleep again. And the Bible said he had a second dream. And his second dream was this. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain. Healthy and good were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted. Thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. Now we were told in the Bible that these dreams greatly troubled him. 
These dreams greatly disturbed him. So much so that Pharaoh decided to get help. And so we read, in the morning his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told his dreams, but no one could interpret them. Listen, when God wants to get your attention, nothing will stop him from getting your attention. In fact, the Bible turns around and says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. Whether you believe God or whether you want to accept God, you look up into the heavens and you, sometimes you stand in amazement. The heavens declare what God has done. But there are times and seasons when the Lord will lay hold of you. Often, it's times when sorrow comes into your life. Only at those times when you stand still, you stop rushing around, when something hits you that, it's, that you have no control over. You have no, no power of your own to sort out. It's at those times when, when sadness comes or sorrow comes or illness comes and you are laid to one side for a period of time. It is then when God can get your attention. When God can speak to you. When things get out of your control. And Pharaoh was troubled. And he couldn't find any help. Where did he turn to? Well, he turned to magicians and philosophers and, and astrologers and, and other um, people of magic arts. He turned to get the answers from them. And this is what happens in our day. When people get in trouble, where do they go? They tend to go to the mediums and the spiritists. They tend to get answers and get their palms read or their cards read or their teacups read. I don't know. But they try to get answers from other sources instead of going directly to God. I don't know how many of you have been in a pub and had your palms read. I'm sure there's people here who've done that already. I don't know how many of you in the past used to go to mediums. Used to ask them questions about the future and ask them about how your life is going to pan out for yourself. I don't know. I'm sure we have people here who's done that before. But when things go wrong, people like Pharaoh tend to turn to other things. But God was at work. And God had a man in Pharaoh's palace. When Pharaoh went to the magicians, when Pharaoh went to the, um, to, 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 to the wise men of his day and they had no answer, God had a man in Pharaoh's palace, the cupbearer. And it's a cupbearer who speaks up. And he turns around and the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today... I'm reminded of my shortcomings. While the cupbearer was standing enjoying the king's presence, Joseph was languishing in prison. When the cupbearer got released and was able to put wine in a cup and give it to the king, Joseph was there in a dungeon for two years. 
And now the cupbearer is reminded of his shortcomings. And he turns to the king and he says to the king, King, I'm reminded that back in the day when you was angry with me, you put me in prison and there was a Hebrew boy in the prison. And that boy spoke to me and told me about my dream. I remember him. And the king spoke up. So, and, 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 and the cupbearer spoke up. He spoke to the king. You know, preachers like myself often, and I'll, and I'll tell you this um, from my heart, preachers often try to get God's people feeling guilty. They try to get, and the reason how they get God's people feeling guilty, they say to the church, you know, you should be going out there witnessing to people. You should be telling other people about Jesus. And people sit there and they think, well, I don't know if I can really, really, really do that. And and they they feel very uncomfortable. But um, the preachers tend to point to you and tell you, you should be going out there telling people about Jesus. But it should be completely the other way around. The cupbearer wasn't talking to Pharaoh. The cupbearer was not talking to Joseph in prison. The cupbearer was talking to the king about Joseph. And the king had the authority, and the king had the power, and the king had the the means to release Joseph from prison. I want to say this this morning. Instead of talking to men about Jesus Christ, the first thing you should do, and the first thing I should do, we need to speak to the king who has the authority and the power to release people from chains and bondage. That's what we need to do. Before we have the, um, before we have the um, people going out and witnessing and, and speaking about Jesus to others, we need people to be praying, asking God to change things. Asking God to change lives. Asking God to to move in the hearts of men and women. Only God can change and release people from prison. Only God can do it. But sadly what we have is we have men going out, speaking to other men without prayer. I believe that if we prayed more in this church and sought God more, for his power, his strength. Those chairs around you that's empty, they will be filled. We cannot fill them, but God is able to do a work in the hearts of men and women who pray. So the cupbearer, he didn't speak to Joseph. He raised his voice and he spoke to, to the king. And the king called for Joseph. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. That's what the power of speaking to the king can do. The king said, get Joseph out of that prison. Clean him up. Shave him. Put some new clothes on him. I want to tell you, when God does a work, God says, that man is coming out of prison. That woman is coming out of chains. I'm going to clean their life out. I'm going to wash them from sin. And they're going to stand before me. Because once they were in a dungeon, once they were under the power of Satan, but now they're under the power of God. That's why prayer is so important. That's why speaking to the king is so important. That's why coming to God, saying, oh God, I'm praying for my family. 
That's why coming to God, Lord, I'm praying for my work colleague. Lord, I'm praying to you. But I know that if you do it, then it's going to be a work completely done and not a work half done by my feeble efforts. My dear friend, dear church, I'm asking you to be a church of prayer. I think Jesus said, my house be a house of prayer for all nations. My house should be a house where people can come and seek my face. Not a house of worship. We love worship. Not a house of teas and coffees. We love tea and coffee. Not a house of eating and drinking. We like to eat and drink. But God said my house should be a house of prayer. That's what my house should be for all nations. So I'm praying that God will indeed cause us to have that in mind. Let's move on to the second point here. Because um, not only providence, let's go on to power. God's power. I want you to see the power of God here. Joseph puts it so well. Pharaoh calls him and says to Joseph, Joseph, I hear that you can interpret dreams. Listen to what Joseph said. Really wonderful. Joseph said this, I cannot do it. Joseph, I heard that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph turns around and says, you're looking to the wrong place. You're looking at man. I want to tell you, I cannot do it. I want to tell you, I made the same mistake two years ago. I made the same mistake. I looked at man. And he probably turned around at a cupbearer standing in the corner. And I can see the cupbearer going red. If he was a white guy, he would have gone red. If he was a black guy, he probably wouldn't have gone so red. But he would have been embarrassed. He was standing in the corner and said, you, I looked to you and I told you, remember me and you forgot me. I want to tell you, king, don't look to man because man will fail you. And I believe Joseph was saying, I did that. And I want to tell you this morning, I cannot do it. You're looking at the wrong man. Sounds familiar to me. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, says Jesus. Listen very carefully to Jesus' voice here, his words. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you think, what can I do? What can I do for God? Apart from me, you can do nothing, says God. You cannot even live the Christian life. You cannot even pray apart from God. Apart from his spirit working in you. You cannot even get yourself to church. The only reason why you're here because the spirit of God moved you so you can be here this morning. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. That's what the word of God says. And Joseph turns around and he knows it. He knows that he, he, he done some work before for the Lord and he knew that God gave the answers and he knew that he himself had no strength, no power of his own. And I want to say this this morning, church, if you are going to go on for Christ, you need to understand this, that you need to be plugged in to the Lord Jesus Christ constantly. I was um, doing some work by my house, or I wasn't doing the work, my friend was doing the work, my um, Jill husband, and David was doing some work by our house, and um, he had an electric saw that he was sawing through some wood. Anyway, the, 
the sword so like slipped out of his hand and went onto his leg and cut his leg nearly completely in half. I mean, I might be exaggerating, but, you know, it was bad. And I hate blood. Now, David was dying on my stairs. And I'm trying to hold his leg together, you know, and, and my daughter trying to get the ambulance outside, and it was crazy. Fortunately, he saved the leg, and um, he's still at church on Sunday morning. But, you know, he... Um, but the, the power tool would have been useless if it wasn't plugged into the source. It wouldn't have worked. It couldn't do anything. But because it was plugged into the source, it was able to function and able to do what it was built to do. And I want to tell you this morning, if we are not plugged into Christ, I'm using that, that illustration, that word. If we're not plugged in, Jesus turned around and said, if you are remaining in me, if you do not remain in me, what are you expected to do for me? How can you bear fruit? How can you pray? How can you live for me? How can you worship? How can you read the word? You can do nothing without me working within you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's comforting in one sense. It's comforting. It means you can come to church and sit here and say, Lord, I'm so empty. Lord, I've got no strength. I've got no power. Will you come and fill me, oh God? Will you take control of my life? Lord, my tongue, sometimes it goes crazy and, and, and says things I don't want it to say. Lord, take control of my tongue. Lord, take control of my mind. Take control of my hand. Lord, apart from you, oh God, I can do nothing. If you leave me alone, then I will be lost. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Joseph explains the dreams because the power of God was upon him. And he explains the dreams and he, he turns around and he says the seven years of plenty, of the fat cows, the seven years of plenty. And after that, there's going to be seven years of famine. And he says this, the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it. I want you to hear me here. God will do it. The abundance that's coming in the land, the food that's going to overflow in the land, that's going to be God doing that. He's going to cause the land to produce and to produce and to produce. God will do that. But also, the seven years that is coming, the famine, God is going to bring famine on the land. It's all going to be the work of God. That's what he says. God will do it. God has said, that in these last days, in these um, days where um, you have um, people turning around and, 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 and saying that, 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 that God is not at work, God says that today, in these days, there's going to be a time where there's going to be another famine. There's going to be a famine. But it's not going to be a famine of food. And water. Look what it's, the Bible says. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. 
not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Well, God is saying this. You live in a nation where you've got plenty of food. No one goes hungry. No one needs to go hungry in the UK. We live in a nation where there's plenty. We throw more food away than we can even consume. But what we have lost in the UK, we have lost a desire to hear the word of God. Go to your colleges. Go to your schools. Go to your your, your politicians. Ask them, you know, do we still um, open God's word? Do we still have any times of prayer? Some of us can remember 50 years ago where prayer was still being said in some of our establishments. Some of us can remember years gone by when the word of God was still held with respect out there. But now, in the UK, I want to tell you, God's word is ridiculed. God's word is mocked. Nobody wants to open the Bible. And God says, you know what? Don't think you're rejecting me. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to reject you. I'm going to withhold my word from you. And the time will come when you will stagger. You will want to hear God's word. But my judgment will be this. You will not hear the word of God from me. And now we, we are privileged. We have a church and we have a building and we have um, a couple of men here in this church who love the word of God and love to share the word of God. But what happens when I die? What happens when I lay silent in the grave and I take my place in the kingdom of God? Who will follow after me? Who will follow after men who give the word of God? People like Jim or Ez or, or others who, who, who share. Who will follow after us? And if the person who follows after us does not hold on to the word of God, where would you go? God said there will be a famine. A famine of the word. There was a famine in Egypt. But that famine was of food. And God said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm done with that. I'm telling you now, says the Lord, there's going to be a famine of hearing my word. Therefore, church, well, I'm telling you this, make every opportunity to open this book while you, ha- while you, while you got the opportunity. Make every opportunity to come through those doors when you can whether it's a Wednesday or Sunday or Saturday or Tuesday or or whatever day it may be, make every opportunity to get into the word of God. Now, I was really glad I was speaking to my friend Tony. Tony is 92 years of age. And Tony turns around and says to me that um, he still reads the word. Still reads the word at 92 keep on going because some people at 92 are completely you know they lost lost the plot at 92 I know I would have at that age I'm, I'm happy to be reading the word now let's go on to the third point provision now I want you to see the provision that God provides in this chapter there's two provisions that God provides very quickly first one he provides the abundance of food Look what it says here. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentiful. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. 
Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. So here we have seven years of abundance. There was an unusual abundance. We read that there was so much food, it was like the the sand by the seashore. And the Lord often does that. He often blesses us in abundance in preparation for difficult times ahead. He blesses us with his presence, a sense of his closeness. He refreshes us with his mercy and he gives us his forgiveness time and time again. And sometimes when you're worshipping the Lord, you feel very close to him. You feel that he's very near you, that he can actually touch you. And you feel and you leave the church on a spiritual high saying this is wonderful to be in the house of God. And he's provided so much for me. And the reason why he does that sometimes is to prepare you for harsher times down the road. Sadly, some people resent the Lord when harsher times. They, they, they love it when the Lord is blessing them. They love it when the finance is looking good. They love it when their health is strong. They love it when their children are all around them. But when the Lord begins to make things difficult, they curse God. But that's not the right way to do things. The right way to do things when things go hard, when things are, are, are not going your way, when your health is not great, when your children are in trouble, when your, you know, when your, when your work is not going fine. The thing to do is to do what Joseph did. What did Joseph do? When the family had spread all over the cold country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. What Joseph did was that Joseph went back to the provision that God had given him. And he opened the stores of the provision. He remembered what God had done for him in the past. And that's what you need to do, my dear friends. When you're going through issues and difficulties in your life, not to moan and to, and to run away from God, but no, 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 to go back to the time when God has blessed you, to remember when you was in the house of God, worshipping and praising him, and his presence felt so near to you, to go back and to remember answers to prayer, to go back and to remember what God has done. Go back and open the storehouses and remember that God had blessed me. I will not forsake the Lord. Even though I'm crying, even though my heart is breaking, I will not forsake the Lord. Why not? Because I remember that the Lord has been good. I like what the psalmist says, or the guy Jeremiah says in Lamentations, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. That's what I'm going to say to myself. Whatever's going through my life, I want to remember that his mercy is new every single morning. I want to say, God, you are my portion. That's what you need to say. Because the abundance of food, the abundance of provision 
has been wonderful in your life. And many of us this morning, we're knowing, we are, we're experiencing the abundance. We're experiencing the provision of God today. We go home and, and, and we look at the, 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 the food and the, the clothing we have and we thank God for that. We go, we go home, we, we look at our health and we look at our, you know, our, our ability to drive our car. It's abundance of provision, but also spiritually, he's continually feeding us. And we say, thank you, God. But oftentimes, God is preparing us for leaner times to come. That's the first thing we learn from this. The second thing we can learn from this is this. This is my final thing I'm going to say this morning. God provided one man and one man only to look after the whole of Egypt. God provided one man. That man, as we know, was Joseph. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from one man, Joseph. Because the famine was severe everywhere. It didn't only affect Egypt, it affected a whole great area. And there was only one man that God said, I am going to use you. You will be the man that will open up the storehouses. You will be the man that will stop people from dying from starvation. You will be the man that all men will look to. I am calling Joseph, the one that was despised by his brothers, the one that was rejected and thrown into prison. I am going to raise you up, Joseph, and you will be the one man that men and women will come to. When I turn my Bible, my pages in my Bible, I read in the Word of God in Acts chapter 4. Salvation is found in no one else. Salvation, the way to heaven, the way to glory, the way to the presence of God, the way to not die, the way not to end up in hell, the Bible says salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven, given to mankind, by which we must be saved. Now, some of you might be saying, well, what is that name? Well, let the word of God tell you. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, that's the name, at the name of Jesus, not the name of Joseph, no, but at the name of Jesus. Joseph, you've done your share. When you were back in Egypt, I raised you up, Joseph, that you might be the, the saviour of, of the nation around you, that everyone will come to you and will not die of salvation. But now I have a greater saviour. That's not talking about a food in your belly, but I've got a saviour that is speaking about your eternal salvation. That is Jesus. There's no other name. Giving unto men by which we must be saved at the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the only Savior. There is no other. He's the only name given to men. There's no other. When God looked at Joseph, he said, I am preparing you for this day, Joseph. But now I prepared a greater Joseph. His name is Jesus. 
And if you come to Jesus Christ, my dear friend, you will not be separated from God. If you come to Jesus Christ this morning, you will not experience the second death. If you come to Jesus this morning, you will know sin is forgiven. You will know eternal hope. You will know that there's grace that will keep you going from day after day. Why? Because Jesus will keep you going. You have no strength of your own, but Jesus will give you the strength. The Bible turns around and says that Jesus is the only name given to men. My dear friends, do you know Jesus? That's the only question any preacher needs to ask. Do you know Jesus? I want to tell you, those men who knew Joseph back in those days, when they came to him, he was able to give them abundance of grain. Those who know Jesus, when you come to him, he will not just give you grain, but the Bible says he will give you life and life more abundantly. Victory over sin. Victory over the grave. Victory over the devil. Victory over the flesh. Victory over the world. He will give you victory that you might stand in his presence. And say, I'm only here because of him. I can do nothing. But Jesus has done everything. Amen. 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 Let's pray.